Hello, everybody. Welcome into the College Basketball Dance, our season preview series. Rolling on into these final few weeks, I'm Nicholas Hodel. Dominic Stewart, as always, is alongside me. Dom, how's it going, my man? It's good. Another cool football Sunday. My Rams don't play, so I can really uh, focus and lock in on your Chargers, hopefully losing once again in a very depressing way. Uh, but uh, on, more, on a basketball note, I uh, can't wait. We're finally doing three shows. Uh, get, getting down to, you know, the conferences that, you know, don't have as strong of a reputation as some of the ones we've talked about in previous episodes, but still nonetheless, uh, got to highlight some of the key teams, teams that you could be seeing uh, come March. So I can't wait to get into it. And of course, a Sunday as we're recording this, and quite frankly, I mean, I've, I've already had my feeling of choke for the week. I think I might as well go watch the NASCAR championship instead. <laughs> but anyway, like, right, you know, yeah. It's the, the West Coast trio today. Uh, the Big Sky, the Big West, and the WAC all on today's program. And we're going to start with the Big Sky. Uh, Eastern Washington took the regular season title at 16-4, and four, followed by Northern Colorado and Montana. Of course, this is a conference that could not complete their conference tournament because of the coronavirus pandemic. And Eastern Washington was slated to be right around a 15 slot um, should they have won their conference tournament, of course. Um, not the best team in the Kempom rankings, though. The honor went to Northern Colorado last year, placing 75th in the Kempom rankings. Uh, for this year's conference rankings that came out on election night, uh, Eastern Washington, Montana, and Northern Colorado is the order um, of Eastern Washington being the only team in the positive in the adjusted efficiency margin. And by the time this episode is released, they will have their preseason pull out. Um, though at the time of recording, not the case. Uh, so the way these three shows are going to work are trio of conferences. We're going to go through our top three teams. Of course, you can find our fourth place projection on Twitter well, the day after publication, which is going to be fantastic as usual. Uh, so let's just go start off our top three with Northern Colorado, a ton of juniors here. Yeah, I, I, when I was looking at this team, you know, it really stood out to me how many juniors this team has. So they're projected to have a good year this year. Like you mentioned, you got them at third place. Where are they going to be next year is going to be really interesting, given that they're going to be all seniors. Uh, and three of them are returning from last year's team, highlighted by Bodie Hume, uh, six foot six guard. This team's going to run four guards at you. So you got to be fast. You got to be ready to defend them out in the backcourt. But Hume, he averaged 14 points per game, five rebounds per game. So very dynamic guard for Northern Colorado. He's going to be the highlight of this team. Uh, well, we'll see how they do this year. Like I said, they're going to be really good next year. I see him taking a bit of a step back from the 15-5 and five performance last year in which got them second place in the conference. But nonetheless, Still a very good team up in northern Colorado. I think they'll have a good year. Yeah, and Colorado transfer Dalen Coons is going to be a very key part of this team um, to solidify the point guard part of this team. Uh, their front core with Bodie Hume, um, Jared uh, Jokic, both very capable of playing in their position. This could even be a smaller lineup as well, which will be very interesting as we go along. Uh, but Coons is going to be big. Um, the point guard play is going to be one of the pivotal keys to this team if they want to try and get back to their second place performance from last season. Um, 
I'm not exactly uh, seeing that as well, but they got a, a ton of depth of newcomers and returnees. Uh, their intangibles are also pretty solid, and I think they're in a good spot yet again this season. I definitely think that this team is going to be one of the better teams in the conference, and it's just if they can get that point guard play solidified, this is a very dangerous team that I really think has the, the potential to go and perhaps even overdo our expectations and win the conference. Who knows? Montana with several Division I transfers, another team that is usually at or near the top of the big sky, and that, once again, should be the scenario here. Right. They're not really returning any key players from last year's team. Uh, bringing back a couple of role players, a couple of, you know, players who saw a decent amount of minutes, but none of their, like, really true top-of-the-line starters from last year's team. Uh, Josh Vasquez averaged five points per game and Derek Carter-Hollinger averaged six points per game and five rebounds per game. So that's that's all they're bringing back. But like you mentioned, the transfers, they, they, they had a really good uh, – they did a really good job in the transfer portal. Uh, Michael Stedman, he's projected to be their five-man uh, out of San Jose State. He had to sit out last year. He averaged 13 rebounds per game – or 13 points per game and eight rebounds per game uh, in his redshirt junior year at San Jose State. So we'll see how that year off affected him, whether or not he'll come back stronger or if he'll come back uh, right around the same player he was in San Jose State. Another guy, Cameron Satterwhite, uh, six foot four, redshirt senior once again, nine points per game, two rebounds per game. And then Cameron Parker from Sacred Heart averaged 10 points per game and five rebounds per game, along with eight assists per game. So, you know, he's going to be running this offense. Uh, so, those transfers are going to play a big part uh, in the success of this team. Another player to look out for, their, their projected six-man, Kyle Owens. As a freshman last year, he averaged four points per game and two rebounds per game, uh, playing as the four-slash-five spot. So he'll, he'll provide some good minutes uh, in the front court as well there. I think that Montana has a ton of potential. Uh, whether or not they'll meet it with those transfers is all going to depend on how they mesh. Now, once again, we've talked about this a couple times on previous shows, uh, bringing in a ton of transfers in this year, uh, given the, uh, the coronavirus, uh, it could be a little different uh, given that because they haven't has, had as much practice time. But Montana, certainly going to be at the top of this conference, finished in third place last year. I see them jumping Northern Colorado, but I mean, those three teams were at the, the tip top of the conference last year, and I see that being the same this year. And Montana's a team to where they have they have some good guys that performed pretty solidly in their freshman years with Fasquez and, and Carter Hollinger. But you also have those transfers that are going to be a very paramount to how this season is determined. And like you said, Kyle Owens is definitely a guy that can perform as a six-man. He can be a four. He can be a, a, a bigger three if needed as well. He'll probably be at that spot um, going forward. They're going to have to have everyone producing really well. And the chemistry at the start of the season is going to be a big, big part uh, to what this team is going to have to do. And that is uh, perform pretty much straight out of the gate. Uh, if, if they don't do that, it could be an uh, interesting ride for this team um, just going forward. Uh, I, I definitely see this team producing uh, at a very strong clip. Um, their front court, uh, right now, as advertised, 
with with Stedman and Kyle Hollinger are both very very good players. And also one of the other things that you have to really take into consideration is all the conferences um, that are going to uh, be uh, revamping uh, their their schedules to meet the challenges of the coronavirus pandemic. And the Big Sky uh, is absolutely no exception as they're going to be starting their conference slate on December 3rd. Uh, and they're going to have a couple of uh, uh, games there at the same location. And then they will resume their conference play December 31st and January 2nd. So you will see some conference games early on. Um, and Montana has Southern Utah, a team we'll, uh, we'll be talking about later on. Um, could they slip up against Southern Utah because of the lack of games they've had to play? We'll have to see. Um, and the early season could be a bit of a challenge just getting the chemistry together. But once they get the chemistry together, I definitely think they're in a very good spot. Eastern Washington. A couple of all-conference uh, returning producers from the last season and a budding sophomore point guard, and I think they're at the top of the conference. Yeah, this is really an easy pick at the top of the conference. Another one of those teams that's going to have an asterisk next to them for me because they're going to be a team that if I like the matchup, they get in that first-round game come March because I assume they're going to win their conference. They're a team I'm going to pick uh, to make it out of the first game uh, with an upset. Now, I mean – they're highlighted by a really key duo uh, in the backcourt slash the frontcourt with Jacob Davison and Kim Aiken Jr. Uh, those two guys, both tall guys, both about six foot four. Uh, Davison averaged 18 points per game last year, and Aiken averaged 13 points per game last year, along with 10 rebounds per game. Uh, those two guys are going to be the key to the success for Eastern Washington this year. Uh, very successful last year. I would expect nothing less from them this year. Uh, outside of that, you know, just a bunch of role players from last year's team. Uh, Magnuson averaged six points per game. Same with Perry. Uh, Tanner Groves averaged five points per game. Casson uh, Bruce averaged six points per game. So just a bunch of, you know, role players who are capable of putting the ball in the basket to surround both Davison and Aiken. Eastern Washington, to me, was the easy pick for this conference title. Yeah, I really think so, too. And, and I'll just say that Davidson is both of our picks for, for player of the year. Um, an all-Big Sky second-team member last season, and then you paired him up with Aiken, who is all-conference third-team last season. I think both of those guys have the potential to be um, all-conference first-team uh, this season. And you also have Ellis Magnuson, someone that really played well in his freshman year for the numbers and the role that he was um, contributing uh, nearly six points a game and just over four assists per game. Uh, I think both of those numbers have a good chance of going up. And I really think that this is a team that is going to have to be watched out for as a very dangerous team. Their first matchups are against Northern Arizona, I'm a third of the fifth on the road. And I think that'll give them a good leg up to play a, a bit of lesser competition to start at the conference slate. Um, unlike Montana, and I just think they're the best team in the conference by far and away. When you look at some of the uh, experience that they have alongside Magnuson, who is going to be a really good sophomore, I think probably the best sophomore in the conference, and a ton of depth, and I mean a ton of it. You have you know, five freshmen, four um, true freshmen, one redshirt freshman. You have all the sophomores that can produce, and I really think this is a team that is setting itself up for extremely good production and extremely good year. Our sleeper teams, I'm going to start this off with Southern Utah. I think this is a team that 
if they can improve their offense, this will be one of the more dangerous teams in the entire conference. Uh, I, I am really sold on the idea of, of this team having this improved offense. And they're also more athletic, which I think is going to be a very big key for Southern Utah success as well. Plenty of experience and a couple of very solid transfers. I never got a chance at the power five level. Illinois Chancellor Tavion Jones and LSU Chancellor Cortese Cooper. Both of those guys are going to have to uh, step in and provide a lot of production. And this will go along with their two senior guards, John Knight III and Dre Marin. They'll be the head of this team. And the transfers are very intriguing. And the senior guards, I think, as long as they do their job, are going to be in a very good spot to get themselves um, in the top five. I projected them just outside of that, but I think they can stack up with Eastern Washington. They can stack up with Montana and Northern Colorado. I love where this team is going, but can they improve in an offense that was in the middle of the conference and just inside the top 250 nationally? That is my big question. Your sleeper team, Dom. My sleeper team is going to be Portland State, uh, another one of those teams that is really just full of transfers. Uh, their entire starting five is projected to be transfers, uh, a lot of which are, are dropbacks from Power Five schools, uh, with the exception of James Scott coming from Temple. But he's really one of the few guys who like established himself as one of those players at, at their team. Uh, he averaged seven points per game. Uh, as a junior at Temple. Uh, but I mean, Elijah Hardy from Washington, Charles Jones from Utah, Khalid Thomas from Arizona State. It's a guy that we we had the pleasure of watching last season. Uh, and then Amari McRae, uh, he's one of the few that's not a, uh, a drop back from a power five school. He went to Pacific University. He averaged six points per game and four rebounds per game. There's just a lot of transfers who, you know, got out of the situation they didn't like. They're now here at Portland State. How are they going to gel? This team has a ton of boom or a ton of bust potential because it's really all transfers. And if they hit, they, they have a chance to be a top four, you know, maybe even top three team in this conference if, if, it, if all goes well, because that you could argue they have the most talent out of any team in this conference, given where the players once were. It's just, they don't have that chemistry yet. How are they going to do that? Yeah. And already the Kempom numbers are very, uh, not this, not the best for Portland State. Or their defense projected to be one of the worst in the adjusted efficiency column at 333rd nationally in the preseason. They'll definitely have some uh, expectations to overperform if they're going to be at that level. Let's move now into the Big West Conference. The Big West, a conference that wasn't as bad as what we uh, as what uh, this conference could be. Uh, UC Irvine once again. Um, taking command at 13 and three, 106 nationally in the Kempom ranks at a plus 6.11. Uh, they were projected to be around a 14 seed. Uh, UC Santa Barbara and Cal State Northridge at 10 and six in the conference. And you look at some of the Kempom preseason projections, it is a very tight race between UC Santa Barbara and UC Irvine. They are 128 and 129 in the national Kempom rankings, respectively. And then UC San Diego and UC Davis. And by the way, UC San Diego, a big shout out to them. Their first season of Division I basketball coming this year. And I know Donald have a lot to say on them 
a little bit later on. But I want to start out with with Cal State uh, Bakersfield. All kinds of senior experience coming into this team. And a lot of experience in this season could mean a lot more than others' years. Right, yeah. Cal State Bakersfield, they're now transferring over from the WAC. I believe this will be their first year in the Big West. Big West really expanding uh, with the addition of Cal State Bakersfield. And UCSD, I think they have the potential to move up in those conference rankings that we saw from last year. Uh, but Cal State Bakersfield, you know, they're a team. They're returning, uh, they're returning their entire starter, uh, their entire starting five. And they're all seniors. So this team's got a ton of potential. They're going to have a huge bounce back year from their, their struggling year in the WAC last year. This has been a team that we've seen represent the WAC a couple of times come March. Uh, not always the best team in that conference, but uh, come March, they, they would always put up a good fight in that conference tournament. I would expect the same from them this year. Now, obviously, like we mentioned, or like you mentioned earlier, uh, there's a big gap between tier one and tier two, which is UCSB and UC Irvine, and then the rest of the conference. But I think Cal State Bakersfield has a chance to lead that tier two category in the, the WAC. I, I could see them definitely going around 10 and six this year, uh, being near the top of the conference for sure. And, and, of course, with all of their seniors that are going to have, um, this is pretty much going to be uh, a year to where they either um, produce near the top of the conference and, and turn some heads, or they're going to be uh, struggling, and they're going to be uh, pretty much doomed to the bottom half of this conference for quite a while because of all the production they'll have to replace for 2021-22. And Bakersfield, I think, is in a very good spot. They have a lot of guys that definitely produced, at a very high clip uh, last year. Uh, now, can they do that in the Big West, which it, it, it's a very solid conference, and I argue uh, a better conference uh, than the WAC. And if you look uh, based on the preseason projections, that is by some margin. So that production is going to be a very questionable. Uh, if they can produce, I think they'll be in a very good spot. If not, I think this team could be in a lot of trouble. So just keep an eye out on Bakersfield. I think they're going to be in the third place spot pretty solidly, but would not be shocked if the quality of the conference and the transition from the, from the WAC to the Big West sort of cut up to Bakersfield and perhaps um, doomed them down a little bit further than what we would expect. And I'm going to go off on... with UC Irvine next, I think that first off, this is my team that I would love to uh, have a as the conference favorite here. And I think that starts with, uh, with Colin Welp. He's my pick for player of the year in the conference. He's one of the best that this conference has to offer. And they also have another interior weapon that they can go for. And they have that in redshirt senior Brad Green. Nine points a game last year and just under eight rebounds a game. Very, very solid there. What do they have in the backcourt? Well, you have uh, Isaiah Lee, a potential uh, starting freshman straight out of the game, Andre Henry. And if he performs, he could very well be the newcomer of the year in this conference. But of course, there are some question marks there. And for you to see Irvine, this is a team that if you want to talk about certain teams that just seem to have a stranglehold on their conference year in and year out, I think you do have to go to UC Irvine in the Big West. 
Um, they haven't won the conference tournament every year, and that's okay. Uh, you look at the last uh, two years, 13-3 and three last year, 15-1 and one, uh, two years ago in a 13 seed in the last NCAA tournament to take place. And that was a stark improvement after 11 and 5, 12 and 4. But that 11 and 5 and 12 and 4 still ended up being pretty good for the Big West in the terms of the quality of that conference. The 2017 18 season of the Big West, that 11 and 5 season I alluded to, they finished in a tie for a segment of UC Santa Barbara. Uh, their, their 2017 conference year, they finished at the top of the conference of 12 and 4. They just seem to have a stranglehold on this conference. And I think that is going to be, once again, the same scenario. I think they'll win this conference. I think they're definitely going to be right up at the top. Uh, Like Ken Palm says, like you said earlier, it's going to be neck and neck between these two teams right up at the top. And Andre Henry, you pointed him out. Uh, He's that star freshman that everyone's expecting him to be. He is the number two program recruit in UC Irvine history. So that just speaks to the volume of what, what he's bringing in. He's going to be a dynamic player for this team right off the bat, because from what they had last year, they lost their entire backcourt. So he's going to come in. He's going to have to step up. He's going to have to play well if they want to retain that spot on top of the conference, because UCSB is going to be right on their tails. I mean, last year, uh, UC Irvine won this conference by three games at 13 and three, uh, 13 and three uh, might not be good enough to get over UCSB this year. So they're, they're going to have to perform well. Uh, the strength of this team is in the front court with, like you mentioned, Welp, he's your player of the year. It's not mine. Uh, and then green, he's also really good. Very dynamic player can certainly put up a double double at any point. I think UC Irvine certainly capable of winning this conference as well. I just sided with UCSB. Yeah. And, and- Let's just go ahead and get straight into uh, UCSB, UC Santa Barbara. Um, this is a team that struggled defensively over the last few years. They definitely have a lot of pieces to where if they work, they can be at the top. Yes, definitely. A lot of key returning players for them. And uh, Ajari Sani, I think, is a really big wild card for this team. Uh, as a freshman at Pacific University, he averaged eight points per game. Sat out last year, uh, needed to sit out as a transfer. He's coming back this year. I think he's going to be a really dynamic player for them in their offense. And you look at this team, it's absolutely loaded offensively. Now, defensively is where they're going to struggle. But on the offensive point, they're going to be very good. Uh, Dynamic returning duo in Amadou Sal. He averaged 14 points per game and seven rebounds per game. And Ja'Cory McLaughlin. Uh, He's going to be a senior. He averaged 13 points per game there. And not to mention, they also have another transfer who's projected to come off the bench. He averaged 12 points per game at Jacksonville. You know, not the greatest competition there, but coming over to the Big West, I think he can keep up that production as well. I think this team has a chance to be the best offense in the Big West. And I think that can definitely carry them to the top spot in the Big West. So I'm going to ride with the Gauchos. Uh, Once again, we talk about these cool these cool mascots, the Gauchos, the Ain't Eaters uh, for UC Irvine. I mean, that, that's just awesome. Uh, gotta love the Big West. Yeah, and I think that is my biggest question is, can they improve defensively UC Santa Barbara? It's, it's a bigger question than I think some would like to give it um, credit. Uh, the lowest Kempunk defensive efficiency 
uh, mark in Coach Pasternak's tenure with the team, 242nd nationally. They allow teams to shoot 34.9% from three-point range, 283rd nationally, 44.9% from the four, rather, 272nd. This is a team to where if, this, if they have any chance to win the conference, those numbers must improve dramatically, actually. I, I can't see any other way for um, Santa Barbara to have a chance at this, but they have the they have all conference uh, quality players, and now they do so, and Ramsey and, and McCollum, both of those guys are going to be all, all conference. All three of them will be all conference quality. And if they don't improve defensively, no chance. And quite frankly, if they don't improve the defense, Bakersfield could jump them uh, pretty easily, actually, with the amount of experience they have. Of course, Bakersfield has more questions of can they produce coming from the WAC to the Big West. They had those questions as well. But I just, to me, I, I can't see it. Um, but a ton of talent here that should not be uh, underestimated here. Uh, for the sleeper teams, uh, UC Davis is mine. And UC Riverside, we both have them at fourth. Riverside has the better pieces in the front court. Uh, but UC Davis has pretty much the exact opposite makeup to where they are better in the backcourt and a little bit weaker in the front court. Uh, just to really uh, paint that picture here of where UC Davis could end up. Uh, Ezra Magnon, uh, the freshman of the year last year, uh, he will be someone that is uh, counted on to pretty much lead the team. Uh, just over 12 points a game last year and just over four assists per game last year. And you also have... Uh, um, Elijah Pepper, I think he could be just as effective as a number two guard in, in this scenario. And you also have Caleb Fuller and Damian Squire that rounds out a smaller lineup here. Fuller, consistent, Squire, versatile. This, this, this is a younger roster than a, a team like Bakersfield, much younger actually, and perhaps some of the leaders in this conference. However, uh, I think this is going to be a very dangerous roster. They will have to play smaller um, to uh, counteract um, just the lack of size they have um, and what cost that it has defensively. I think that's another question. But this is a very talented roster. I think they can definitely go up there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, do you mind if I talk about my sleeper pick in UCSD? Of course. Yeah, so my pick, UCSD, the newcomer to Division One basketball. Uh, you know, as a resident of San Diego, we've heard a lot the past couple of years about the Tritons finally coming to D1 sports. We've been hearing about it for three or four years. You know, they, they were always a D2 powerhouse, uh, finally making that transition to D1. And they're they're going to be welcomed into the Big West. It's going to be a big change for them. But uh, their, their basketball team has been a strength at UCSD in the most previous years. And it's going to be highlighted by Tyrell Roberts who in fact is going to be my conference player of the year award. And I, I think that's a bold pick, but he averaged 19 points per game as a redshirt sophomore last year. Now, of course, division two, the level of competition is going to be better for him, but I think that he he's, he's been a good scorer his entire career. And I don't see why that can't transition. Now, is he probably going to put up 19 points per game now that he's playing D one basketball? Probably not, but still capable of putting up a ton of points like that as well. The rest of the starting five, all seniors for UCSD. So uh, a lot of experience. Uh, this team has played well together. 
they have that experience. They have that chemistry, which we've talked about with a couple other teams. They just don't have. So I think UCSD might have the upper hand in that aspect. They're, they're kind of like Bakersfield in that, but uh, Bakersfield has played D1 basketball. So it's really funny that the two most experienced teams in this conference are in their first year in the Big West. So how those teams transition to the Big West is going to be a big key. But I don't think UCSD is going to be uh, anywhere near as good as UCSB and UC Irvine. But UC, UC San Diego certainly has the potential. Uh, another boomer bust team that could move up into that top three potentially. Yeah, and I mean, if, if they end up doing that, I mean, fair play to them. And it wouldn't necessarily be the most unusual thing either after what we saw with Merrimack in the Northeast Conference last year. Uh, it, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with them. Uh, I mean, just my thought of your you're very bold for a uh, first year uh, uh, team to Division One basketball. But of course, we've seen it happen last year at Merrimack. Uh, we'll see what happens there with UC San Diego. Our final conference today is the Western Athletic Conference. Uh, this has been New Mexico State's conference for a very long time, uh, running the gauntlet in the conference last year at 16-0, perhaps one of the more dangerous mid-majors in the entire country before the coronavirus pandemic shut everything down. Cal Baptist at 10-6 and was the, uh, their next best competitor, so you can really see just how big that gap was between New Mexico State and the rest of the conference. And could that get even bigger? Um, the first signs um, could end up being just that. New Mexico State, um, they're projected at the top. Uh, probably no surprise there. Uh, 104th in the Kempom preseason standings. And Grand Canyon second, 163rd. UT Rio Grande Valley, 237 National League Out Baptist, 298. So perhaps it is going to be to get another massive drop-off between the different teams. And also several teams making their Division I debuts this season in the Western Athletic Conference. So we're going to go ahead and start off with UT Rio Grande Valley, a program that their ambitions, they're trying to be the St. Mary's of the Western Athletic Conference. What do you think of that? I think this team has the potential to finish in third place again last year. And like you mentioned, uh, we're, we're in a great team by any stretch of the imagination last year, went nine and seven in conference play. And when you consider the fact that you're only playing New Mexico state twice, you know, they really only went nine and five in conference play last year, because, you know, you gotta, you gotta take it with a grain of salt when you play New Mexico state, who's just uh, the, the cream of the crop when it comes to the Western athletic conference, but for UT, for UT Rio Grande Valley, I mean, that, that's just a tongue twister just even getting it off. Uh, they're going to be highlighted uh, by their their star point guard, Javon Levi. Uh, he averaged 11 points per game last year, so he's going to have to step up for them once again. Also averaged eight assists per game. So he does a good job putting the ball in the basket and setting up his teammates to score as well. That's, that's what you want out of a star point guard for your team. Uh, outside of that, not really much left on this team. I mean, Quentin Johnson, their other good scorer, he averaged eight points per game last year. They do got a couple of transfers coming in. Uh, Merrick Nelson from Western Kentucky, he only averaged two and a half points per game. And then Jeff Autriche, uh from Stony Brook, he only averaged three points per game, five rebounds per game. So not much offensive production for this team. Uh, well, we'll see. They're going to have to improve 
on that mark as well. Decent defensive team, but I the putting them at, you you feel weird putting them at the third best team in this conference, but that's just where the whack stands. And as long as Levy stays healthy, I think this projection will hold up for third place. If not, uh, I definitely think we could be having a ton of trouble uh, with this team. Uh, and there will be some scoring responsibility outside of Libby as well. You mentioned Quentin Johnson. Um, Chris Freeman as well could have some of that responsibility. But also a couple of transfers in the front court. Washington, Kentucky transfer Monique Nelson and Stony Brook transfer Jeff O'Cherry. Both of those guys are going to have to step up in the front court and provide some, some more protections. They're both sort of taking a step downward to the WAC. The WAC actually projected to be the worst conference in the Ken Palm um, preseason rankings outside of the uh, traditional HBCU conferences. Uh, and I honestly think that Rio Grande Valley, as long as Javon Levy stays healthy, could give Grand Canyon rent for their money for second place in the conference. I think they're... I think there are some pieces here that can be very useful. And they also have experience coming from the bench, which could lead to someone like Sean Rea uh, or, or Anthony Braddon being very productive sixth or seventh men. Uh, as it is right now, I think third place is going to be a very uh, comfortable spot for Rio Grande Valley. A uh, Grand Canyon, this is a team that's going to have some very interesting hype around them with Bryce Drew coming in to coach this program, which is a program, of course, all kinds of expectations of the program starting off. They sort of started to level off a bit last year, Dom. Yeah, Grand Canyon is normally that second team in this conference, but last year really struggled. Uh, ended up 8-8, eight and eight, uh, middle of the pack, and what we've already highlighted is not really a good conference, but I expect them to bounce back mightily this year. They're returning three double-digit scores, from last year's team in Javon Blackshear Jr., uh, Mickey Dixon, and Alessandro Lever. Lever is my conference player of the year pick. He averaged 15 points per game and six rebounds per game at that five spot. So he, he's going to be a big part of this team's success. They're also bringing in a couple of transfers. Uh, Gabe McLaughlin, uh, he averaged seven points per game and six rebounds per game. So that's going to be a key factor for them in the front court. They're also bringing Osborne Mitchergod from Wichita State. Didn't really get any playing time, but seven foot one center. Uh, you can see him rotating in, giving Lever some playing time. Maybe even going the battle of two bigs. Uh, they called. Uh, I remember a couple years ago with Purdue, with they uh, they had Caleb Swanigan and Isaac Haas. They called them the Twin Towers. They could run something like that with two just really good centers. That it makes it really tough to score. Uh, you can run a three-two off of that. Uh, make you make shots from the outside. That's something that they could possibly do. Uh, so they're going to have some options. They got they have some transfers along with some really good returning scores. Uh, question is, can this team step up a little bit defensively? Uh, but I think GCU's, in my opinion, I think they're they're better than UT Rio Grande Valley. They got at that time, uh, but obviously New Mexico State's the the class. And I think Bryce Drew is going to have the offense covered with his coaching style. So that probably won't be the biggest problem here for the Lopes. It's going to be defensively um, what they're going to be able to do on that side of the ball. Um, this is a team that um, allowed a 51.6% the effective field goal rate and also allowed their opponents to grab 28.6% of their misses. Both 
are not very good marks. They're going to have to improve that. They are going to step back up to second place in the conference. And I absolutely think they should. They have the bookends. They have Blackshirt and Lever. They're both preseason first team all conference recipients. And they both should play like that. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, but again, if they cannot improve defensively, uh, you, we can really forget all this hope for Grand Canyon, uh, especially in a year like this to where they're not going to have their home court advantage, which is one of the probably best in the entire country. Um, it, it's a, an atmosphere. Certainly the best in the conference. Certainly yes. the best in the conference. I want to go to a game there at some point while I'm here in Arizona State. Obviously, you know, that, that's wishful thinking at this point, but uh, I mean, there's, there's got to be one game where you can find a really cheap ticket, make it in. Yeah, I mean, very wishful thinking for a while now, but it's definitely going to be a team worth keeping an eye on, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because they can't improve there. I think this team is absolute toast. New Mexico State, um, there's nothing really else to say, but here is your conference champions. <laughs> Yeah, it's really that easy. Another player who I could also see being conference player of the year is Donnie Tillman, transfer from Utah. Uh, he averaged 10 points per game along with five rebounds per game in the Pac-12. In the Pac-12, that, that that's starting caliber in the Pac-12, and now he's coming to New Mexico State. I think he could totally dominate here at New Mexico State. Uh, another really key returning player, Jabari Rice, he averaged 13 points per game and five rebounds per game. So those two guys are going to carry this team. Uh, a ton of JUCO transfers that are going to be coming off the bench. So I think that they could also help out this team uh, significantly, bringing a ton of talent to them. You really look at it, they're, they're far and away the best team in this conference. Uh, I, I mean, it's tough to say I think they'll run the table because it's so hard to run the table in conference play just because you see these teams every year, but I could see them doing it again this year. Death, taxes, Western Athletic Conference Championships. That has been the theme for New Mexico State uh, for the longest of times now, uh, and particularly what they've done since 2015. Since the 2014-15 season, this program has only had one three-loss season in conference play, and they still are making the NCAA tournament. This is a team that should have no problem here. Um, now, of course, there are the questions of how many games you're going to get because of the coronavirus pandemic um, and serve the different uh, challenges that you'll have. And I think a challenge that's going to be unique to pretty much every team is playing the same team on, on back-to-back occasions. Um, what sort of challenges will that bring? Uh, I think that's going to make this one of the uh, more unique seasons uh, in college basketball. So there is a possibility that New Mexico State just completely dominates a team the first night. For the second night, the team makes adjustments. And because of those adjustments, New Mexico State might pick up a loss. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily the easiest thing of all time. But you have to pick the Aggies for the championship. I, I just don't think there's any way around that whatsoever. Uh, probably one of the easiest picks we'll make here on the Bonanza in our season preview series going forward. Now, first for your sleeper team, Don. I'm going to go with Dixie State here for my sleeper team. Very similar to, 
to UC San Diego. Dixie State uh, moving up from D2 ranks into Division One in the WAC. I think Dixie State, similar to, to UCSD, they got that one really good score. Hunter Schofield, this guy, this time he's in the front court, six foot eight senior, averaged 16 points per game along with six rebounds per game. He's got a ton of potential. Their starting point guard, Desun Youngblood, that's an awesome name, by the way, averaged 10 points per game, four rebounds per game, and three assists per game. So he does a good job facilitating the offense. Uh, we could see this team, you know, like we've already mentioned several times. It feels like we're, we're a broken record at this point. This conference isn't that good. So you could see them jumping up from D2, excelling right away, and possibly being in the top half of this conference. My sleeper team for the Western Athletic Conference is Dixie State. And we could also see that, that rivalry renewed with Utah Valley. That's awesome. I do not have a sleeper actually. Uh, and this is not because of lack of preparation. I just think this conference is pretty straight on bang in order. New Mexico State, Grand Canyon, Rio Grande Valley, and even Cal Baptist. I don't think there's a team in this conference that really stands much of a chance to uh, really be in that sleeper team role. Um, we, we look at some of these projections. There are only four teams inside the Kempom Top 300. And one of those is 298. So I think we're going to see this conference take a massive step back from where it was last year in the uh, conference rankings um, perspective here. I mean, they are projected 30th out of 32. That would only be better than the uh, uh, traditional HBCU conferences. The conference was 24th uh, last year. You could already see that massive step back. I don't think any other team's going to come close, quite frankly. I think we're going to see a lot of teams, you know, swinging and missing um, at New Mexico State, swinging and missing at Grand Canyon, even swinging and missing at UT Rio Grande Valley. I just don't think there's anything there to, uh, for me to really get excited about. My player of the year is Shabali Rice. He brings a ton of production back. He knows what it's like, and – and it's going to be a point to where I think he completely takes over. And that's more the credit to New Mexico staying what they have. Like you mentioned with Donnie Tillman, I can easily see him producing at this rate as well. Rice and Tillman together, lights out. That's a double knockout, I think. And I think Rice would be the better of that. Yeah, those are certainly good picks as well. I ultimately sided with Alessandro Lever of GCU, and I mentioned him earlier. 15 points per game and six rebounds per game last year. Uh, I could easily see him uh, producing even more this year. Uh, like we mentioned, it's all about the defense for GCU. The offense isn't the question. They're going to put up numbers. They're going to get buckets easily. But I think Lever will take a step forward from his 15 points per game. Uh, he's my pick for Western Athletic Conference Player of the Year. And with that, that completes as a successful three of show. Of course, we're looking forward to doing these over the last few weeks before the season gets started. I mean, the sooner the season comes now, the better. You know, I mean, I think we're both getting very stressed with the schoolwork and everything. But of course, this is a great way for us to discuss basketball, a way to get the schoolwork off our minds. And of course, a fantastic way for everyone. Uh, for us too, of course, our partners at the Wave Network, and just really everyone, I, we we love doing this. Of course, our next show, another three a show coming at you. 
And we're looking forward to getting that in your playlist as well. For Dominic Stern, I'm Nicholas Hodel. Of course, if you haven't listened to the rest of the episodes, of course you have the entire players available to you on whatever po- po- podcast platform you choose. Let's go ahead, pick an episode, listen away, grab some popcorn while you're at it as well. Have a good day, night, whenever you're listening to this production from wherever you are in the world.